It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Before we kick off this podcast, I wanted to mention that this month, BBC Countryfile magazine is celebrating its 15th birthday. This is an exciting milestone for us, and I wanted to thank all our readers and listeners for helping us get this far. For those of you who do not already subscribe, we're offering all our podcast listeners a very special offer to celebrate with us. You don't want to miss it. Visit www.buysubscriptions.com forward slash podcast. That's podcast with an L, podcast. And you get 50% off your first six issues. Plus, you'll get a Stanley travel mug as your welcome gift, which is very useful when you're accompanying us on our many walks this winter. That's www.buysubscriptions.com forward slash podcast. Find out more there and terms and conditions do apply. Now let's get on with this week's adventure. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. I'm Fergus Collins. And this week, I'd like to take you on an adventure that I had over the summer to the wild island of Innismon, Anglesey. I spent two weeks in a tiny cottage on the little visited northwestern coast where I made friends with my wild neighbours, especially the chuffs. So relax and enjoy this gentle wander along a very craggy coastline. And don't forget to leave likes and feedback on whichever podcast provider you use. And you can email me at editor countryfile.com 7.30 in the morning and I'm out on a little country lane in the northern tip of Anglesey quite a remote part of this island which is a strange and wonderful place and I'm just walking past St Rothlad's church is uh, a tall spire, quite rare I think in certainly my parts of Wales, South Wales to see churches with a tall spire and then lots of new gravestones in there with ships on them so so I'm on a lane that's hanging above Church Bay and I can see a wide expanse of the sea here and all the way to it's a great sweep of a bay. On the far side of it is the, the mountain of Hollyhead, Hollyhead Mountain, or Holy Mountain, and the town of Hollyhead, and there are ferries coming and going. Some cattle ranging around these rather wild and rocky, what passes for fields here, wild and rocky sort of hillocks and hummocks. Uh, it's quite early, I haven't had my breakfast, but I'm foraging a few blackberries from the hedgerows here. Two rolls of blackberries. Don't pick them low down. And don't eat the ones with white wiggly maggots. The ones at the end 
sort of the tips are supposed to be the sweetest. I remember reading something by Richard Maybe in his Food for Free, I think, about the end of the blackberries at the tip of a sort of spray of berries are oh, the sweetest. Anyway, I can look and see down into Church Bay, lots of, lots of campsites, lots of camper vans, lots of tents, and then the coast is just a series of little rocky peninsulas, and it's quite backed by farmed fields, hedged and walled fields. But what I love about Anglesey in this part of Wales is you've got these sort of rocky protuberances coming out of the, just sort of leaping out of the landscape. So I'm heading along here, I'm heading to the coast. I can hear a curlew down across this farm landscape. I've seen a few around foraging land and foraging on the coast. Their breeding season is over. And they're here hanging out, so it's been quite nice hearing curlews every day. Oyster catchers down right on the coast. There's been a few other treats here. It's quite windy, but I'm just sheltered at the moment. And there's an arrange, array of sort of whitewashed cottages. big stone farmhouses, big grey austere farmhouses and then and then inland some of the villages are very austere pebble dash grey terraces so which sort of hint at a working past of a lot of these a lot of these places copper mines and fishing and all sorts more blackberries here very agricultural landscape. Mmm, the blackberries are so sweet. Amazing. Definitely some of the nicest blackberries I've ever, ever eaten. It might be to do with the fact that it's been so hot. So, coming into a site of special scientific interest. SSSI. It's very sort of thick with gorse here, I bet this is brilliant for adders. It's a bit more exposed. Lots of kind of spiky spiny plants, some heather. Lots of gorse. And some bracken. But the bracken hasn't fared well in the heat. So just past the latest heat wave. It's actually rained quite a bit. A bit of gorse in flower. comes a raven. Might even have caught souring of his wings. Now, as he flew over me, or she, and keeps doing it, just turns and flies upside down briefly. And it's a wonderful, it's a marvel. Another one. Yeah, that's his mate. So they're probably pairing up or just keeping it together because they'll be four months time they'll be starting next year's breeding season looking down into the bay some really good rock pools I've been um, shrimping with my son which has been fun Looking for a path that cuts across the top of this wild landscape, not quite the coast path, here goes some linnets. 
some lovely linnets just <laughs> you can hear oyster catchers very faint always in a state of sort of nervous anxiety the oyster catcher Screaming chuffs. Now, I did see two chuffs along here the other day. Far away to pick up. There's two of them, they've been feeding in a cow field. The chuffs are doing quite well. They've been um, breed, I think mostly they breed on Holy Island, Anglesey, South Stack, on the other side of this bay. But um, I was really surprised the other day to find some just feeding in the cow fields nearby. So, so we might catch up with them in a bit. But this footpath has vanished. There was a footpath here. I just have to head straight down to the coast path here. Rather than take a rocky adventure over inland. But path just hasn't been maintained, not enough people have walked it, and so although it appears on the map there's absolutely no way through so on these, in these fields there are so there's cattle grazing here but there's also sporadic ragwort ragweed yellow flower much debated still hear those chuffs chew I don't know where they are such brilliant birds with a bright red curved beak and bright red feet, otherwise sort of blue-black. Back to ragwort. Yeah, one of these much maligned plants which is blamed for livestock deaths, but it's actually a native plant. It's really good for insects at this time of year, it's mid-August. Uh, a couple of gulls going over. Young gulls, young herring gulls, possibly. Yeah, so it gets a very bad press. I once had a job pulling ragweed on a hill fort, which was grazed in Somerset. So it was a hill fort that owned by, or the land was owned by a local farmer who grazed his cattle up there. But um, he didn't like the ragwort because it could cause it has chemicals in it that, if eaten in large quantities, can cause um, some problem with the liver, I think. And so it has this sort of absolute, you know, horses, cattle, sheep, gotta go, it's the public enemy number one. And there are lots of studies into how bad it is or how harmless it is. And which I think is a terrible shame you can hear the sea in Church Bay below. Gentler waves. I'm the only person around. It's the lovely soothing sound of water just rolling. The waves just rolling onto the onto the shore here.
inland. You get these sort of grassy meadows at the sort of top on the, on the top of cliffs really here. A bit of scrub then some grassy meadows and then it's sort of rocky outcrops. Amazingly sort of really hard looking bones of the landscape coming up. And that's quite a quite dramatic. There's one boat I can see. Yeah, that looks like a lobster pot boat. Little round boys. Just a few 20, 30 meters from the shore. They're dark. And they look just like the heads of seals. So very, um, very confusing. But they're not seals. Unless they disappear. In which case they're seals. One did just disappear. But no, it hasn't. There's lots of oyster catches around. A bird that's doing okay, I think. Fantastic looking bird with its great carrot beak. Now. There's a, there's a chuff field up ahead. Uh, potentially we might encounter some chuffs up close. There are some black birds in there. They could be crows there. As always, wherever I go, there's a wren. Not his most convincing song, Mr. Wren. He's just on a hillside above me, a rocky, gorsy, brackeny hillside. But uh, she's quite peaceful on the coast path here. It's windy when you're exposed in the open but quite, quite sheltered, almost muggy and humid. Through going through tunnels of gorse and bracken and ivy, looking down into a very, into a fascinating seaweed bladderwrack stream beach. The sea is sort of festooned and streaked with, oh, oh I think those are chuffs with sort of kelp, brown streaks, squeak of a kissing gate. I have no one to kiss today. Peeping of oyster catchers. Always nervous. Really in a dense thicket of bramble and bracken, 
brushing against me as I force my way through. Oh, well that sounds like stone chat. Stone chat chorus. The wren who thinks he can do it better. Yeah. I love stone chats, dumpy little birds. These are on a blackbird. <laughs> Common birds and birds of coast paths. There's honeysuckle here. Lovely trumpets of yellow. This wren, the lion called. Very bothered. Stone chat can't compete with the energy of a wren. So everybody's channeled along the coast path. The inland paths tend to wither die of it. I kind of expect to see dolphins and other creatures here, but looking down onto the rocky shore, and nothing is stirring the very, very calm bay. Approaching what was the chuff field the other day, hoping now there is a blackbird. It's a chuff. It's a chuff. There. There are three of them. There's a cow, there's a cow field. And a young gull and it's sort of whiny whistle. So three chuffs, and well, they use their long beaks in these cow pastures because, there we go. That is a proper chuff screech. Hello. Say that again. They're sort of walking away from me. But they, um, they prod the ground using their long beaks, a bit like a curly really, just a bit shorter, friendly little grubs and beetle larva and crane fly larva and all sorts of creatures that live just beneath the surface here. And the rain will have done them good, but also the cows dropping their cow pats bring loads of life here. There's lots of cows, there's a few sheep actually, all in the same field, there's lots of little tiny calves and other chuffs have walked quite a long way away now. That's three of them though, not bad. I think that might be, yeah, quite big birds actually. So they're members of the crow family. Oh, one is feeding another. Clearly that's its chick. Oh, that's why it's making such a noise. Don't know if that's being picked up. But... Uh, yeah, so there's almost like two parent birds and a chick, perhaps. 
So whenever one finds a grub, the chick goes, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, members of the crow family. Oh, a little bit of curlew. Oh, that's heavenly. Chuffs, curlews, oyster catchers, stone chats. Very different suite of bird life. So we've got eight species of crow in Britain. Uh, raven, starting with raven, biggest, the big beast. Doing a lot better these days. Used to be very heavily persecuted, but can be found across much of Britain now. Then we've got the carrion crow and its northerly cousin, the hooded crow, which is a bit more beigey, grey sort of colour, and black, sort of pied sort of crow. And um, they've got the bird of the crow of the coast, the chuff, the colonial crow, which is the rook, fabulous bird of farmland. We've got the bird of parks and gardens, the little crow, the little crow, blue-eyed, the blue-eyed crow, the jackdaw. Uh, we've got crow of the woods, which is more parrot-coloured than anything, the jay. And, and of course, finally, very beautiful, much maligned bird, the magpie. Crow of the garden. Doing very well these days. But I was talking to a wildlife, and I was talking to a naturalist who said that he used to, he would cycle 30 miles to see a magpie when he was young in the 1950s. So all these things are relative, you know, the abundance comes and goes. We, we, have, we, have, we think magpies, lots of people think magpies are this terror of the countryside and to blame for loss of many small birds, which is, which frankly doesn't really stand up scientifically, but it is a very emotive issue and it's very easy to blame something obvious like that rather than something more subtle and pernicious like habitat loss or pesticide use or people putting down decking or fake grass in their gardens and then expecting to see wildlife. There's curlews here. In fact, the chuffs are following me. So we're going to get a bit of chuff and curly noise. So just a lovely little headland where I'm going to just finish for now. Just a nice little gentle walk. Curly. Flying along the coast. Just flying north along the coast. There's more there though. What is that? Yeah, the big birds, Curly. So just on a little rocky headland, a great swathe of the Irish Sea in front of me. And you can hear the waves down below. There's oyster catches. See what I can see through my binoculars. 
This is a great place just to have a little sit. Just above the water, above a little inlet. The rocks covered in lichen. Great hairy green, pale green, very pale green, limpid green. The water's a bit murky, but it's a great spot here. Just get a lovely, ah, oh, soothing, the soothing sound of the sea here. Just enjoy that mindful moment. Just, it's not really battering the shore, it's just rising and slurping and sloshing and then easing back down again. I'm just looking at three chuffs and a curly together in a, one of these pastures. Obviously finding lots of, oh, there's two curlies. They're just, all of them plunging their curved beaks. It's a bird with curved beak, oh, no, hold on. One, two, three, four curlies. Five curlies, three chuffs. Pretty good. So it's a conference of curved bills. And I feel sorry for any little insect or grub in that field, because there's more chuffs coming. What a great spot. I don't want to disturb them too much. Yeah, three chuffs flew over, three on the ground, and five curlies. Raven. There's a, a peak here, rocky peak, not very tall, but just significantly high to create its own sort of microclimate, I guess. It's just magical to watch all these birds. Curly is so big. Prehistoric looking. Sort of white trousers, brown backs. Very, very active, moving really fast. Scuttling over the ground, whereas the Chuffs appear a bit more measured and slow paced, waddling, not scuttling. A bit windy here, but there are some black headed gulls have arrived in this field, and one of the chuffs is flying around very noisily. And it's now perched up on the rocky peak. No, it's not that, so that's a carrying crow. Chuffs are still down in the field. Ah, I'm very grateful to these binoculars, giving me fantastic views.
They seem to be finding loads of food. One sort of pecking as if he's trying to break into something, maybe a beetle. Curry's in the air. Noisy chuff up ahead. Young chuff. Demanding food from its parents. It's chasing after them and having nothing to do with it. I haven't got anything for you. So demanding. There we are. You don't often get Santa chuffs feeding their young. Five chuffs in this particular field. Five curlews. So that's pretty special. That's a good place to leave it as the wind gets up and a bit of rain starts to come down. Let the oyster catchers have the last word. So that was a little taste of my summer holiday adventure, brought to you in the depths of a late November day where it's all gone dark. I, was a lo- I had a lovely time in Anglesey, and if you haven't been to Anglesey, wow, you've missed out. It's a beautiful, beautiful island. Quite a long way to get there from my home in a- Abergavenny, but so many wild wonders. And I that, that little walk, not a very long walk, but to have curlews and chuffs oyster catchers, and I'm sure plenty of other things that I, that, I, that, I, that I missed just on the coast there. It was wonderful. And talking about wonderful, I joined, joined again in the studio by the lovely Hannah and Jack. The lovely Hannah and the lovely Jack. They're both lovely. <laughs> oh, that's what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lovely yeah, Hannah and Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So um, <laughs> lovely to see you both, and thanks for your help on making this podcast. All these podcasts. Although you weren't with me on the on the coast there. That was a solo, a solo wonder. Have have you encountered chuffs in the wild before? <laughs> well, I, I don't see there's anything wrong. Have you encountered the chuffin? <laughs> a chuffin. Um, so members of the Crow family with their very distinctive calls, which is more like chiao. I don't know. Does that does that sound like a well you can play back, play back the recording. So I haven't been drinking. Um I just like a very sad cat. Oh uh, yeah, true. Maybe that's what they are. But they're, they're I mean, it's amazing. They're these crows with these long, curved red beaks that um, they have red legs as well. Red legs as well, yes. And up until oh, 15, 20 years ago, incredibly rare, incredibly rare, just down to a handful of pairs. But they've it's a good news conservation story that they've sprung back in places like Cornwall and along the Pembrokeshire coast and. All the way up to Anglesey, Clean Peninsula. This is just just a great success story. So, not quite sure why. I think it may be just that they there's a bit more conservation around those coastal pastures where they go probing for probing with their long beaks. <laughs> um, but that's a bird that's 
named its its name is supposed to reflect its call. I think that's mm. what the chow. <laughs> so chuff is spelled C H O U G H. So it could be chow. Could be chow. Could be chow. It's just we've got used to calling them chuffs. Can you think of it other because we had concrets last week, which the Latin name is crex crex, which is like the onomatopoeic. There must be other birds out there. Yeah, well, the cuckoo and the chiffchaff. Chiffchaff is a good one, yeah. In in, in Germany, it's called a zilpsalp. Oh, I learned nice. that on another podcast, funny enough, <laughs> Melissa Harrison's podcast, zilpsalp. That's uh, lovely. Any more? Puffin? They're always out of breath. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not quite sure what a puffin's called. Is it, they go, ar, 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 like that. That's what a puffin is. Pirate puffin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sort of are, yeah, yeah. But kind of, they get sort of... They're more like the victims of pirates, puffins. Oh. You get the skewers and blackback gulls mm. that terrorise them and steal their prey or, or just eat them. I do like that thing where you find out that different countries say animal noises in different ways. Mm. Uh, well, um, It's like, like pigs. We know it's oink oink, mm-hmm. but otherwise it'd be like conk conk or something yes. like that. Yeah, I love that. We need examples. I know. We have to ask the we have to ask the <laughs> listeners. Do send uh, please send examples, thoughts, birds that are named after tell their calls. Tell us how you oink. Oh, tell <laughs> us how you oink. Contact me, Fergus, editor at countryfile.com. and we are really keen to give away books from our podcast library. So the very best email, or even if you send in some sounds that you've got, you could send in some oinks. Send in your oinks. oinks. Um, <laughs> sound of the week. We will send out a book for our favourite, and. Um, well, we look forward to hearing from you. Don't be shy. Now, I had a, I had a, I had a remarkable adventure, which uh, I know you were going to ask me about it. <laughs> Tell us about your adventure, Fergus. I had a remarkable. I it's remarkable. It's, it is. Yeah. Um, did you see there was a news story? You're going to say no to this, which is just going to be outrageous. Uh, did you see there was a news story um, of this? Amazing woman called Hannah Born Taylor. Another Hannah. All well, Hannahs are amazing. Uh, she. She is a passionate naturalist nature writer, very keen on swifts in particular and their plight. They declined massively. So to make her point, she walked from... Well, first she went to Hyde Park Corner naked, apart from being painted from, I think it's neck to toe, in feathers. She walked from there. She First, first she did a speech about swifts. There's a video about it. And then she walked... With a, she had quite a crowd of people. Yeah. She walked all the way to the Houses of Parliament and then made a speech there and held up a kind of flare. And she got in touch and we arranged to go for a walk. Amazing. She wasn't naked, which is <laughs> which is probably good. Unfortunately, you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 sadly. Yeah, we didn't see any birds. Mr. Sadly. Momo. <laughs> um, so I suggested we, we go, I suggested we go to halfway point, the, some woods, some not the kind of strange and secretive woods of South Wales to to look for rare birds there and we had a really great fun sort of wander around the woods talking about how you pluck up the bravery to 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 walk through the center of london and talk to you know piers morgan and gb news and politicians and all sorts of things to make your point so she's she's incredibly heroic so that is going to actually be next week's podcast a surprise one so hannah look out for hannah Boyne taylor have you done anything exciting in the natural world I've had a great time with some puddles recently. Puddles. Puddles. <laughs> um, 
I've recently sort of moved and my commute is completely different and it has been raining so much. And I have recently been learning where the puddles appear, um, roughly how fast the traffic goes through them and just whole roads turning into rivers. It's incredible. Um, and I've been wearing shoes that I don't mind getting wet and really getting stuck in there. You like you like a I bit of this. You love like the challenge. heavy rain. It's one of my favourite things. At least someone's enjoying it. I'm very pleased for you. It really still seems quite warm, though, in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting chilly in at night, but in the day it still seems quite warm for this time of year. Yeah, I, I, people, there are still people sitting outside bars undercover mm. uh, and, and mm. in the middle of Bristol yeah. here at night. And that's, I've never seen, I used to think sort of early November, you'd be still, you'd be kind of all yeah. warm. Yeah. Well, you might have a hot chocolate in the cold. That whole so thing weird. about wearing gloves for bonfire night. It's like, oh, you have to wear them because of the sparklers. But yeah. like, we were wearing them anyway. But the idea of wearing them this year was just absurd. Yeah, it's about 20 degrees, isn't it? Obviously, you still wear them when you're, you're holding a sparkler. But... Or stick it in a carrot. <laughs> yes. Is that what you do? It's what uh recommended for children. It's a, a fatter thing to hold on to. Oh, gosh, yeah. that's And nice. then it never, it, they've got no chance as long as they're holding the carrot. Great tip for next year's sparkler fest. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to let you into a confession. I hate bonfire night. Hate it. I hate the I hate the noise of fireworks because I've got a dog. And he just he's the most miserable sight to see a dog suffering from fireworkitis, mm. and just the because they can hear. Obviously, their sense of hearing is much stronger. But they, he just said he, he he. It was like the whole day before he knew mm. he could obviously hear them in the distance, and it's it's awful. And you realise how terrible it must be for so much of our wildlife. It's weird. I think bonfire night now because. Obviously, it's steeped in tradition, but then the environmental impact of not only for animals and for dogs and stuff like that, but just the stuff you're putting in the air. Mm. Um, I think it's it's a weird position at the moment, and it, it's always seemed weird that people always know that it affects dogs, and that doesn't really stop them going on. But no. then when you think about it, it's not just dogs, it's... Uh, most other animals oh, as well yeah. and then if you really look at that they, it's affecting quite a lot of nature and people talk about roosting um, pied wagtails which roost in urban areas mm. in big numbers and they just get scattered and they've got such little bodies yeah. that if they don't find somewhere to hole mm. up for the night now it's a bit warmer so they're probably not going to suffer quite as much but mm. they, they can die just starvation yeah. just being moved once at night and uh, people don't get that no. so I can yeah. understand the tradition. Well, and also it's fire and but, darkness and there's yeah. a whole, like, yeah. thousands of years of fighting back yeah. the, the winter. But we are... Tradition is can sometimes be a bit of a kind of straitjacket and perhaps we are intelligent enough to adapt. I think there's ways... I think I may be wrong. There's got to be easier ways of doing it that's a bit more kind to the environment. I think part of me thinks that firework display should be an organised event by organised groups and not in like households and stuff like yeah. that because I think sometimes there's other safety risks with that um, but there's people now that you can you go to a display, it's time to music you've got the music, that's noise pollution, whatever, with that but there's quiet fireworks now, there's fireworks that mm. don't make sounds, mm. so if you're accompanying the fireworks with music Maybe you can drop the sound from the fireworks and it's not really going to impact your experience that much. Mm. And then you're kind of making, I think, then the big 
loud events are actually quieting down a bit yeah. <laughs> and it's not as bad. I think it's a, it's a small step. And I think if everyone can make a small sp- step, that makes a, a bigger step. Yeah. Well, let's go for this hope. Yeah. And there's a whole year till next bonfire night. So um, that's our thoughts on bonfire night. Well, again, let us know your thoughts. Are we talking nonsense or do we have a point? Firework night. Or contact us, editor at countryfile.com. Love to hear your thoughts. But for now, from us in the studio and from the wild coast of Anglesey and the Chuffs, Curlews and other wild creatures, it's goodbye till next week. <laughs>